Let's go ahead and kick off our weekly community AMA. Lots of positive, exciting updates to share with you guys. First off, um, for those of you, I can't imagine any of you have missed this, but we have a gorgeous new UI that is live. It went live last week. Um, if you did not have a chance to listen to our AMA last week, uh, please go uh, check it out. We have some really thoughtful commentary on on the role of DeFi front ends in, in increasing user adoption from Graypixel, our lead front end dev. Um, so strongly recommend that. And you can find a past you know, list of AMAs in our Discord uh, under Community Updates, the Community Updates channel. Um, but if you haven't checked it out, please do. Um, and I also strongly encourage you to continue following our Medium blog. Uh, Alex G put out a really uh, fascinating post today. Um, it's the the Dow and Taxes blog, and uh, this this one is about harvesting tax losses from Ponzu's rugs and other hazards uh, that we are all familiar with in DeFi. So, do recommend those. Um, we've got Prepop here, who's going to do a really nice review, a detailed review of um, progress on the V2 vaults. I will keep my commentary very brief. Because um, I'm sure everyone wants to, you know, hear it from the the guy who's you know actively working on it every day. Um, but you know what I will just share at a very high level is that you know we are really making great progress on our back testing. We've got you know we've done several rounds of back testing, and for those of you who are following in detail, you know that you know our our core strategy is going to involve launching a bitcoin vault an eth vault and a stablecoin usdc vault simultaneously and that they will minimize hedging costs by essentially acting as counterparties for each other um but that you know to sort of test a worst case scenario if you will a base case that would never be realized uh, in practice we've been doing back testing on um, a sort of hypothetical scenario where there is strictly uh, just one stablecoin vault aiming for a delta neutral strategy um, with the understanding that if we can optimize for that, if we can see strong performance from that strategy, then, you know, of course, when we, you know, greatly reduce, you know, hedging costs and increase capital efficiency through this three vault counterparty structure, um, that performance will be even better. And so, you know, what I will share, um, and I'll let Prepop get into the details, is that, you know, the preliminary backtesting data for just that simple, you know, one, one USDC vault, you know, lone USDC vault strategy, uh, the data is looking quite strong. And, you know, what, what I'll share just is kind of my own line of commentary on this is, you know, I, I, I'm not the, you know, product strategist, uh, sort of modeling expert or the technical expert, but What's been super educational for me, um, just from you know observing Prepop and Wen Moon and um, others on our team, uh, focus on you know developing the strategies. Just how deeply sophisticated and complex any kind of effective, you know, hedged yield generating strategy really is. Um, this is not, you know, this is not a question of just taking a degen strategy and you know kind of you know, building a keeper bot that kind of does what, you know, an individual might do degening around. It's really immensely complex and nuanced. We had to create, you know, an incredibly detailed dynamic model that not only essentially kind of replicates all the many nuances of GMX's smart contract, um, but that 
also takes into account, you know, dynamically the effect of, you know, vault TVL, you know, from our own vaults and how that affects the entire system. And then we need to look at it under many different market conditions um, using historical data and optimize, you know, for a strategy that performs well, you know, across all those different conditions, given all those complex feedback loops. So that's what the team has been working on. And, you know, we are really proud to say, and, you know, I'm really proud of the team to say that, you know, we are um, getting strong indications that as, as expected, as hoped, you know, this work is paying off and we're on the right track um, with even more upside to be realized as we layer on some of these other exciting features of our strategy and, and run that through backtesting. Um, beyond that, and so, so again, uh, Prepop, we'll talk about that in more detail. Um, just other quick updates to share. Our treasury performance um, update for the month is live. You can see that in our Discord. I think we have also tweeted it out on Twitter. Um, we've, you know, I really want to give a shout out to Stephen T and Dwen Moon, um, who have been overseeing our treasury strategy. We are, our treasury has gained about two hundred and forty thousand dollars since the previous month. This is despite you know this is including opex. So despite the fact that we you know of course had you know significant opex as we always do every month, we are still actually gaining, and that's due to really excellent um, treasury management from when Stephen and you know just collectively the team. So I want to give them you know a much deserved shout out. We're looking great from a treasury perspective. Um, on the business development side, what I will share is that we have, you know, very exciting uh, conversations in the works with a potential growth manager slash growth lead hire, someone who will help um, largely work with me um, and, and others on the team as well, but you know, really help spearhead uh, partnerships with CFI with you know digital asset custodians you know help onboard institutional capital both you know crypto native hedge funds uh, and you know more you know macro hedge funds family offices and of course you know someone who also can help us build value additive partnerships on chain and, and onboard for example protocol treasuries so we need a really special person with uh, you know real appreciation of our vision the skills to sell it um, you know at a high level but also to get into the nitty gritty of strategy. Um, someone who can help guide uh, future products, you know, because this person will be boots on the ground, really understanding the end user and what they want. And that will inform our product development strategy going forward. And someone who, you know, has that ability to code switch, if you will, between CFI, you know, the institutional world and DeFi. Um, and the good news is we've got a great candidate. I won't say, you know, much more yet. It's still in the works, but um, I think some of you guys know this individual and you know if if and when um everything is you know realized we'll have a really fun announcement there as well um and beyond that last thing on my list to share is you know this is something that alex g can talk about more but we've we are in the process of um a restructuring that will a restructuring of the corporate entities that will accommodate our umami advisors ria entity which is very exciting so we will now have umami labs which will be effectively our operating company employing our global team and umami advisors which when all is said and done will be a registered investment advisor money services business on-ramping capabilities vis-a-vis -vis a circle account although that that is technically with umami labs but obviously they can integrate with each other um, and then there'll be a parent company called umami holdings that oversees both of those um, so Really excited about that, and uh, Alex can talk about this more. But one thing, you know, that I'm 
really proud of and I think is something, you know, that hopefully will set a standard in the space. He is working on some, you know, really great um, innovative legal structures that, that will give the community peace of mind that these entities, they are in service of the DAO. These are not profit centers. They are not extracting any profits for themselves or for the team at the expense of the DAO. And we're going to help ensure that by effectively baking into the relevant operating agreements, a, uh, a dividend committee that is comprised of various you know, community members, um, some team members, but you know, not, not people who would be um, you know, te technically members of these corporate entities. Um, and the dividend committee will effectively exist to make sure that there are no dividends, right? And we already, of course, are committed to never doing that and are fully transparent, as you know, with all of our cash flow accounting. We publish updates every month. But having uh, a structure and oversight board built in to our operating agreements, which um, you know, we'll share more details when that's finalized, is something that I think will you know, add even more confidence that we really are serious about this. We want to structure things so that our team wins when our community wins. The team is comprised of Umami token holders, the value generated on-chain and off-chain um, by Umami DAO and by the various off-chain entities, um, all belongs back you know, with the DAO treasury, benefiting all holders of the token equally. And you know, that really aligns the team with the community, which is what we want. So those are my updates. Again, you know, things are progressing and just really, really proud of the team and happy to see all the things that we're doing here. So with that, um, maybe we'll have Prepop share first on the um, you know, updates on the vault strategy, and then Alex can talk more about legal strategy. Yeah, and um, I just want to say a note. I think you know, I'm. I think this is a fantastic idea. Uh, what DeFi just mentioned about um, having this oversight committee, um, additional layer on the company, because you know there are companies that do exist that uh, we don't want to follow their actions, and and some of those companies, um, you know, are are looking for raising uh, raising capital and other ways to have profit for the company that is not connected to their protocol or community. And that's just simply not, you know, that's not the goal that we have here. And so um, I, I want to applaud Alex G's creativity for coming up with a great solution that, um, you know, is very similar, I think, to, um, on, you know, on kind of on-chain, almost like a multi-sig way of, of um, ensuring that uh, there's oversight with this and, and that uh, the legal structure adheres to the the goals of the protocol of Umami Protocol. So, yeah, that's that's very neat. And I'll let you know Alex touch on that more. But um, yeah, so our web our new front end has been live for one week, and uh, I want to invite anybody to share their feedback. Um, you know, both positive and negative. Uh, we have a, a fantastic team, um, and we are preparing for our next development cycles. Uh, to include, you know, minor fixes, but also start implementing uh, the new the new features that we have uh, planned, uh, which will, um, you know, there'll be some minor features added in. Uh, we've already taken some great f feedback about pricing and uh, token ratios to to display and things like that. And of course, we do have a phase two um, that is planned that will add. Individual user metrics and a lot more metrics and analytics, including its its uh, user's own personal dashboard. And so, 
anyways, yes, I would, I would definitely love to invite anybody to, to share their feedback. And, and uh, we love listening to, to the token holders and users, your feedback. And um, we, you know, we use all that input directly into setting our next goals and, and priorities for the releases. So, so please feel free to share. And yeah, on to the uh, vaults, the V2 vaults updates. Um, we have, as, as Defad mentioned, uh, we have started working on the white paper um, for the results to share. And this is a very important step. And we've touched on this before, but I'm just going to reiterate just because uh, if there's anybody new, you know, new listening or, or if haven't listened to the AMAs in the past, for this product release cycle, we have taken in this backtesting modeling strategy simulation step. Um, in-house, and we are setting the bar for Umami as a protocol uh, for this and all future strategies. Um, the level of scrutiny that we're putting both the backtesting uh, strat and strategy design, simulation design, uh, you know, is, is where we're going to, to set the bar for the development team for strategy new product releases moving forward. And... Um, the white paper that we're going to release is going to have a very detailed um, uh, uh, analysis of our, of our methodology uh, from everything from data collection to simulation, um, the independent variables used um, in the strategy to decide, you know, how, how we made certain strategy decisions. Um, it will be very in-depth along with showing the, the actual results, comparisons of, of um, different tests that we run. And, you know, we've spent a significant amount of effort of the of the dev team's time. Um, and I think we're much better for doing this. And uh, quite frankly, I think it's a step that a lot of other protocols should be really considering, um, putting this much level and attention uh, into the strategy design, um, as well as the smart contract design. And as DeFi mentioned, Part of this goes into um, the simulation of the strategy and the simulation of the environment um, to a degree that is as close as a live or real on-chain operation as possible. And there are several ripple effects that need to be accounted for. And, you know, luckily we have this fantastic data source called the blockchain uh, that we're able to get all the needed data um, that we need. But even it, you know, even it being accessible doesn't mean that it's, you know, a quick and, and easy solution. Um, so we have been, you know, working hard to get all of the data needed for these ripple second order effects in the strategy, um, getting the, the simulation set up and running through the strategy. And, the uh, one of the first goals too is to create a isolated version of the strategy, uh, meaning, um, as Defi mentioned, a version that does not have multiple vaults acting as counterparty to to gain benefit from internal netting, but essentially um, a single standalone delta neutral vault using the strategy, and the backtesting is very promising for that. And and one of the reasons that we did that is, um, of, of course, you know, wanting to test every scenario 
and there may be some conditions where, uh, you know, Volt TVLs differ. And there's a big difference between a, a strategy being able to stand on its own in, in any condition um, and, and, and still maintain the, the goals of the strategy, right, of, of a delta neutral. There's a very big difference between that and, and one that's reliant on, on certain TVL because when you go into scenario testing and edge case te testing, there's only so much you can control um, in terms of where people are putting money or, or pulling out or, or caps and things like that. And so, uh, you know, we're looking at, and we've got several questions uh, from the community that, that touched on the same exact thing, you know, large withdrawals from certain vaults things. And these are all things that we are um, now, luckily, in the place where with our own... Um, development team, we can, we can really get into the, the weeds and, and the details on all these scenarios. And if we have a question about or concern about what's going to happen in, in a certain event, we're now at the point where we can set that event up and simulate based on uh, both real, real uh, on-chain data from GMX or generated data to, to test a scenario of, of sharp marking conditions or, or sharp DLP weighting shifts that haven't occurred in the past 10 months. So, um, so yeah, so th that's a quick, that's the overall summary, right? And, and kind of a summary of this whole process um, is it has been incredibly, uh, you know, time consuming for the dev, dev team's time, but I can't think of a better uh, way of time, a time better spent than, than going through this, this process. And um, we've learned so much, not just about, GMX uh, and, the, and the nitty gritty details of GMX, GLP, and the fee structure, how it operates. But also from, uh, we've also learned about our strategy implementation and um, some really neat ways to, to boost yield and, and slash fees across the board. So just having an overall better strategy from, from this. So um, as I mentioned, we are working on the white paper. There's still several, several tests um, that we're still going to be running and generating the results for to go into the white paper. And one of my goals is to make sure that we publish the backtesting data and get it peer-reviewed. Peer because one of the things is I don't want to fall into a trap where we go to all this work and, um, you know, are, are high on our own supply of our backtesting data, right, which is very common, um, without getting some external uh, eyes on it and um, and giving it scrutiny, because this whole you know the whole purpose of this step is to make something so rock solid um, that you know and 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 try to look through everything. So you know when we're able to show this data, we want to make sure everybody can see uh, the work that's gone into it, the scenario testing, the, the different variables, occurrences. And, and give us feed, uh, feedback on that. So, um, so yeah, we will be publishing that. And um, I want to give a shout out to, to <laughs> I feel like I do this every week, but uh, I absolutely love working with the dev team here. Um, some of you guys heard from Gray Pixel last week. He's the lead front end dev and did such an exceptional job uh, building the front end from scratch. Uh, we've got clones Cody who's done a great job on the back end and, and creation of the API. And um, he's going to be very busy with the, with the new phases, uh, implementing all the new data and metrics that we're going to be pulling 
for the for the new user dashboard. And then we've got the backend team who I don't really talk much about on the AMAs, but I work with uh, you know almost twenty four seven on on the Vault code. But Dapper and Toki uh, are just some of the the best guys I've ever worked with, and and absolutely love working with them. And um, I can tell you, we have a uh, very strong level of motivation, uh, highly motivated to uh, to release. And, we, and there's a, a really good sense of excitement within the team to, um, you know, finish finalizing some of the finer details on the strategy as we get through the final results, publish this, and then continue finishing the smart contract code. So uh, that's, that's a general uh, update. I will be around to answer any questions um, that, that people have on, and on any, any part of um, Umami's technical side, including you know, future products, current products, anything like that. And uh, with that, I'll, I'll uh, hand it back to DeFi, who can give uh, Alex G an intro for, for his discussion. Yeah, um, no, so happy to. Uh, thank you. First of all, thank you very much, Prepop. That was a great uh, update and review. Um, and I agree, much deserved shout out to our devs. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll pass the mic to Alex G who can talk a little bit more about legal strategy. Uh, hi, hi everybody. Thanks. Uh, thanks DeFi and, and, and thanks Prepop, um, as always for the updates. I think that, um, I, I actually want to start, uh, with, uh, where, where DeFi had left off talking about the, um, this, this dividend committee construct that we've, that we've come up for the, um, for the, for the new, uh, we, we, we have what I'm what I'm calling a, a triangle structure. It's not really that complicated, but it's more complicated than what we had. Where because we need to have our advisors entity as a as a separate, completely siloed legal entity, we now have um, Umami Labs, which is going to continue to exist the same way it's existed. You know, no no changes. Um, Umami Advisors, uh, which is which is the new entity, and then a new um, top level entity, which is going to be, which is called Umami Holdings. Um, that's just a holding company that makes the um, uh, uh, advisors and Umami Labs kind of um, brother sister corporations, if you will, LLCs. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, this is a, a relatively common structure to use a top level hold co. Uh, you, you, you see it a lot uh, just because. Otherwise, you have a sort of mess of determining ownership of all the brother sister entities. So if they can all kind of be grouped into one central holding code, then that makes it uh, sort of administratively easier. But um, as as the name implies, Umami Holdings will not do anything besides just own these other companies. And you know, if um, you know, we need we 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 need to have a third entity or fourth entity, whatever, for different. Um, reasons uh regulatory reasons most likely then it'll slot in nicely with the um with the existing holding structure so that's actually pretty boring that's not that interesting um what i think is really interesting is this construct we, we we've, we've come up with of having a um a, a committee which doesn't control um any of the the operational entities so it it, it does not make uh operational decisions at all uh, with with respect to, to to any of the entities, but in the event that um, uh, one of the operational entities wants to pay a dividend or do uh, a number of other transactions that have the same impact as a dividend, I, it, I'm happy to get into that. But 
it's a, it's a little boring, like the minutia of what that constitutes. But we, we, we are sort of actively thinking about, well, we, we need to like make sure that there's not a way of doing a disguised dividend to, um, to, to get money out of, out of, out of these companies. And that dividend committee will be made up of, you know, uh, uh, team members who've been team members for a threshold amount of time. And, and obviously on, on the condition that they continue to be uh, team members, you know, we're still um, ironing out the details on, on exactly how all this is going to work. But uh, in, in the broad strokes, that's, that's the structure we've come up with. And um I'm I'm actually pretty proud of it. I I think that it's something that um not uh not a lot of uh, I have not heard of 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 anybody else doing this, which doesn't mean nobody else is doing it. I just haven't heard of anybody else doing it. And I think that it's a great way of incorporating, you know, um the 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 trustlessness and um and 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 sort of uh, uh, barriers that, uh, to enforce good behavior um, from DeFi into um, our, our traditional um, finance entity structure. And so I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I think that um, when, when we finally roll it out, it, it'll be um, something that, that maybe other projects are going to look at and say, oh, that's kind of a good idea. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, of course, it's, it's, it's easy for us to do, I think, because we all are on the same page um, of, of wanting to uh, uh, prevent um, any of the sort of owners of the of, of the of the lab structure from benefiting, you know, financially um, from from that ownership interest. So in, in that sense, it, um, it 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 makes it easy to uh, to implement a strategy like this, but I'm very much looking forward to uh, once, once we've ironed out all the details of this, of this strategy uh, and, and have the, the new docs and everything done to uh, uh, share, share it with the community, because I do think that um, it's, it's actually pretty exciting. Um, so I'm, I'm of course uh, happy to answer any questions that uh, uh, anybody has about, about, about that structure, but with the caveat that, um, uh, it's it's not finalized, so there may be some details that I'm just not able to answer because we don't uh, uh, we, we don't have to have, have it nailed down yet. But uh, uh, for a high level, I'm, I'm glad to answer any questions. Um, let's see. I wanted to. Uh, we actually got a before we we got on. There was an AMA question uh, in our Discord um, uh, that was directed to me, so I want to uh, grab that. And it was from Mr. Schneebly, which uh, is a great name. And um, basically the idea that what he's asking about um, is, you know, if, if you have like, and this is a great question, um, if you, you know, how is the exchange of assets um, for uh, a vault token, like in one of our vaults, for example, or any other sort of similar um, structure in, in DeFi where you have, a receipt token or sort of equivalent that um, represents a right to receive um, future gains that are being compounded, you know, within the, um, uh, in, the in that instance, the vault. And so I will um, uh, direct, <laughs> this is actually what the first installment of my blog dealt with, which was um, a little bit overly technical, but I think it's still actually 
from a U.S. perspective, really gets to the heart of, of this issue, which is that under the existing guidance from the IRS, uh, you, you're actually deferring tax on the gains that are accruing um, with, within that vault. I always figure you do this at the top. Of course, I'm not giving anybody tax advice. I'm not giving anybody legal advice. Um, this is just my sort of general thoughts on general legal issues. Uh, it is not a substitute for uh, legal advice from your lawyer or tax advice from your uh, tax, tax professionals. Um, so with, with that caveat, of course, um, the, uh, uh, so, um, the, uh, so I think that, and, and, and if you, if you go look at the, 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 the blog and so on, I think I have that pretty well nailed down that position pretty well nailed down, you know, for, um, for, for us tax purposes, now, the, the, the issue, I think, for international tax purposes and, and this question, or not international, that's not the right way to put it, for taxes in other countries, excuse me, um, uh, the example in the question was, was, was Germany. So, unfortunately, I am a U.S. tax lawyer. I don't really, I actually focus on international issues, but I don't know much about um, the internal tax systems of other countries. I did do a little bit of research, sort of Google Esquire on Germany, just because I'm curious, uh, before I hopped on. And, and it actually looks like it, it's kind of similar in Germany to the U.S. right now, where, uh, you know, if, if you, the, the German tax authority has not actually issued comprehensive guidance with respect to DeFi, even though they're doing a better job than the IRS with respect to crypto in general. Um but but it, it seems like applying their principles, the general crypto principles to a, a receipt token type situation, the result is actually the same in Germany, where um, you, you have a taxable event when you deposit into the vault, you have a taxable event if you sell the vault receipt token, and you have a taxable event if you redeem the receipt token for the underlying asset. Um but you do not have sort of an ongoing um, tax burden that's represented by the uh, the stream of income that you would be entitled to if you had um, re redeemed the token. And, and frankly, I think that's the way it has to be, right? Because if if the position of a tax authority is, well, you 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 owe tax on the income that's that's underlying that receipt token. Um, what happens if you sell the receipt token in, in the open market as opposed to redeeming it? Um, I suppose you could have an increase in basis on it, but that, that result doesn't really make sense that, that you were paying tax on this on this phantom income for, for an asset that you then sold. Of course, just because something doesn't make sense doesn't mean it's not going to uh, uh, be the... Um, uh, what the rule is, so so you know you kind of got to stay tuned as as new rules uh, uh, come come into play. Um, so that's that's a great question, uh, a great uh, especially because it allows me to direct people to the blog. Um, so thank you for that, Mr. Mr. Schneebly. And then uh, uh, one 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 other thing that I want to touch on. Um, I'm sure everybody's sick of hearing about this from me, but I like talking about it, so it is what it is. Um, I wanted to give everybody just an update on the Ukidao case. The um, there have now been um, four amicus briefs filed uh, objecting to the CFTC's desire to serve Ukidao through a chat box on the Uki website. Um, 
So that is uh, the Lex Punk Army, uh, which I was involved with uh, with helping on on that brief. Uh, filed a brief initially, and then um, the uh, the DeFi Education Fund um, filed a, uh, a a brief. Uh, DeFi Education Fund is sort of an arm of the Blockchain Association, so I was very glad to see them get involved. And then. Um, uh, Paradigm also filed an amicus brief, uh, and there actually was excellent, as one would expect from from Paradigm at this point. They really are uh, out at the forefront of all things crypto and law related. And now um, we have uh, A16Z has filed an amicus brief, uh, which is um, uh, which which initially. Uh, I, I read the brief and and I thought, oh, that's actually is actually a pretty good brief. Raised some interesting issues with respect to California law, and then I I, I read a, um, a Twitter thread from their general counsel uh, about why they did it. And to be honest, it made me a little queasy because it really sounds like what it's almost like what 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 a sixteen Z is trying to do is like. Um, fix the errors that the CFTC made so that the CFTC has a better way to um, uh, uh, pursue uh, uh, DAOs in, in the future, which I really didn't like. So that was uh, a, a little bit of a mixed bag to see A16Z hop in the mix, to be, um, to be honest. I don't really trust the, uh, the, the, the motives of those guys. They're not... Uh, I don't really think that they're truly friends of DeFi um, in 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 general, but the um, the judge allowed it, which is fine. I think that was the right decision, and so the um, uh, the, the uh, because A16Z filed their brief a little bit late, um, the judge gave the CFTC an additional week to respond to all of these briefs. So that response is due on uh, November fourteenth. And any replies are due on the 21st, of which I'm sure there will be uh, many. And then the hearing on it will be on um, on December 7th. And I expect that the court will take some time in rendering a decision, but probably not a ton of time. So it will be very interesting to see uh, see how this rolls out. I think it's going to be um, one one of the most impactful decisions with respect to DeFi generally, uh, certainly with respect to DAOs um, that we've seen to this date. And uh, uh, I will obviously continue to um, uh, keep the, uh, the community abreast on, uh, on, on those developments. And um, I think that that's, um, that's all I got, but if there's any, uh, any questions, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy to answer. And I'll hand things back over to DeFi. Great. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Alex. And yeah, we're, we're really, uh, really pleased with, you know, what Alex has been doing to support uh, the Ukidao case. Um, and of course, also with uh, all of his great work on, on Umami's legal strategy. You know, I just wanted to say that, you know, I, he, although, you know, a lot of the work that he does on the legal side might be behind the scenes, it's really central to, you know, to our overall vision and, and to what differentiates us from other DAOs. I think that, you know, very soon I, I saw an article today where sort of the phrase institutional DeFi was beginning to be thrown around. And it's very clear that, you know, DeFi as a as an ecosystem, as as an industry, is at the point where if it does want to scale beyond its current uh its current relatively small 
market, it really needs to start thinking about compliance. And, you know, as I think as Umami's demonstrated, thanks to Alex's work, you know, that that is that is possible for DeFi. It's, you know, just because there's a lack of guidance doesn't mean that our sector, our space is completely helpless when it comes to positioning ourselves. It just takes, you know, innovative thinking, which is, you know, what we've been illustrating. And I think um, the community is going to start to see the fruits of that more and more. Um, and with that, uh, Mr. Grumpy Pants, our community manager, wanted to share some thoughts himself. And then OX King, I see you there. So we will have you up for questions right after. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks. I'll keep my uh, I'll keep my part pretty short so we can get into the questions. I just wanted to um, I just wanted to flag that we're going to have an AMA, a joint AMA next week with Chromatica, a protocol you guys all know and love, probably if you're an Umami community member. And then just a few weeks after that, we're going to do uh, Socket, which is an Umami core partner. So both those AMAs will be uh, pretty cool. And those are going to be in addition to the weekly AMAs. So we'll do two a week those weeks. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, Grumpy has been uh, not only answering all of your guys' questions in the Discord, but doing a lot of great work um, as well behind the scenes, setting up um, these AMAs with uh, different uh, different protocols and influencers. In fact, we have a chat as well with the... Uh, find folks at the kingmaker uh podcast uh that that'll be right after this i'll be on there um that won't be live so i think maybe it'll be visible friday or monday but um that'll be a another opportunity for folks to tune in and, and learn more about umami um with that mr kingfish um you're up how can we what questions do you have uh first thing i have is for pre-pop on front end ux feedback my suggestion, which I feel strongly about for everybody, not just Umami, is having a list of all associated contracts uh, somewhere pretty prevalent on the front end. Um, I like knowing when I look at my hardware wallet what like the contracts I'm expecting to interact with uh, are, are listed somewhere on the front end and also perhaps on Discord or you know, in, in multiple places would be ideal, especially in the docs. Uh, so to the extent that that can be added somewhere, I think would be very constructive uh, and just give everyday users a, you know, an increased sense of security and verification before we sign anything. Uh, so that'd be great. Uh, would love to see it. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And, and we will be adding that to the list. Fantastic. Thanks. Um, so, uh, so let's talk. It seems like today's theme uh, was focused around updates to uh, what I call the meat space legal structure. Um, so I, I have a few questions there, and I, I expect some of them are probably too strongly worded and asks that are too far out there. Um, but I, I'd like for you to discuss liability siloing across these entities uh, and just give, give us an idea about your thinking there. Uh, and then on top of that, um, just some generalized questions. Will the operating agreements for these entities be made public to the DAO? Would equity cap tables be made public to the DAO? You know, would the, like questions like, are are these entities able to bear debt, right? And so, just stuff like help help me understand. I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's feasible for us to all see cap tables and operating agreements, but like that would be helpful to answering all questions. But I'm sure you know, Al Alex, the legal one, understands you know what I'm trying to get at here, which is you know, what is the overall liability to these different structures, and what controls do they have on top of? You know the 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 system you're designing that could otherwise you know uh, hurt umami token holders. Um, yeah, thank you as always. That's a great question. I really appreciate it. Um, and and um, I, I think we actually probably can get into a lot of those details. Um, so I'm I'm going to start at the at the back 
at the last part of your question um, first, which is uh, making operating agreements, cap tables, everything public. Uh, I, I think that's still the plan. Uh, we we uh, I don't I don't view um, obviously you know and and this I think we bump into this quite a bit right because we have this um, I, I think we've demonstrated our commitment to transparency to the community um, but we have to also uh, pr preserve attorney client privilege uh, for the protection of everybody involved um, and so. Because of that, there's always going to be some part of the of the process which is just not um, not going to be visible um, to the community. But that being said, uh, you know, a final product such as an operating agreement um, is is not going to be protected by is not a protected document. It's something that I would prefer to to share with the with the community. And I think that um, once those documents are done. We will uh, we will endeavor to, um, to 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 post them for uh, for anybody to see. It's um, uh, you know I, I mean it's kind of like kind of like with the dividend committee. You know it's like I <laughs> part of what we're doing in Umami. I think, I think a major part of what we're doing in Umami is bringing you know sort of DeFi to uh, to I, I, Kingfisher. I like your, uh, your 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 description of the meat space entities. So. Bringing D, you know, uh, uh, DeFi to the, you, you know, meat space industries. It, uh, you know, part of that is like using concepts that are, I think, native to DeFi to um, govern meat space entities. And and I mean, that's really where we came up with the idea for the dividend committee. And same thing with with making the operating agreements public. It's like there's there's a certain sense that, that like. The operating agreement is kind of like the code of of an LLC, and and we want just like we want the community to be able to look at the code under the vaults and see see what's going on because you know we we want everybody to to trust us, but we want everybody to be able to be able to verify what we're saying as well. And and I, I view that making the operating agreements uh, uh, public is is kind of uh, accomplishing the. Um, the, the the same goal so it's not um probably traditionally what um an attorney would advise um his or her client to do but i i think that that you know it really is consistent with um with what the goals of our um of our organization are um so you know and and then to get to get to the the first part of your question which is i think um a more more substantive yeah, you know, I mean, look, the the, the whole point of um, creating this uh, uh, three-entity structure that will probably become, as we add more businesses, you know, a four-entity structure, et cetera, in, in the future is siloing liability, right? I mean, that's sort of why any organization um, creates that that type of structure. And uh, and frankly, I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, when when looking at you know we're we're creating uh, this this RA entity that's going to have really a discrete set of operations and a discrete set of potential liabilities from uh, Umami Labs, which is really a development entity, and 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 that you know it um, I think from just a normal kind of uh, uh, meat space business planning type attitude. 
you really want to have because those liabilities are not really contingent on one another and and potential liabilities that you should say are not are are not contingent and related to separate things and and there's separate assets that are used for each part of the business it it makes sense to sort of silo them in in these separate uh, separate LLCs and and so you know I mean that's that's a big part of it and I think that that that's um, it's it's better for everybody um, to to you know have 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 done that and uh, it's um, uh, it, you know, we we do have um, pretty tight controls in the operating agreements on um, borrowing money uh, with with within the um, with, with within you know. Well, right now, just do Mommy Labs. That's that's the only sort of entity that's that's fully up and running at this point. And um, the the goal is not to uh, not to really take on substantial loans. I mean, we like having, of course, corporate credit just like anybody does to facilitate having credit obviously facilitates ease of payment in, in meat space. So, you know, we like having credit for, um, uh, yeah, you know, working capital. I, I get it. Um, I, I, I'm trying to just mostly make sure that there's not going to be some sort of liability that is associated with a, a pledge of assets, specifically the IP, right? Like, um, who's the entity that owns the code? Um, is, are those codes, le- is the code leased out to another entity to the RIA, RIA or something? Is that an exclusive agreement? You know, stuff like that, uh, is yeah, that's a great question. understanding of all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's helpful. And so, so, you know, I mean, I think that like, um, as far as, as, as that relationship goes, especially with the IP, right? Because the IP is in a certain sense, um, the the, the 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 valuable asset that's owned here that's not uh just personnel right and so um you know it's it's um the so so to, to, let me answer your specific question which is the the RIA entity is not ever going to own any IP right because the 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 part of part of the strategy with 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 the whole RIA system is that the the RIA is is exists to um, advise appropriate investors to invest in the vaults at, at this point, right? And so it doesn't really need to have, and nor should it have, an ownership interest in the vaults. Um, and 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 the goal is that the the the, the financial benefit of the vaults accrues back to the DAO not not to the RIA itself. So as far as, you know, we, we have not, and it, it, just to be perfectly honest, we have not figured out exactly what the fee structure in the RIA is going to be. Our preference is, would be to simply not have any fee accrue to the RIA and just have it sort of exist. But um, there may be economic substance rules that prevent us from doing that. So We'll just have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But but the um, the IP um, is is going to be developed, you know, by by Umami Labs, and uh, and you know will be basically. And, and again, we have not actually um, ironed out the the final details on what the structure is going to look like. But that IP will either be transferred to the DAO outright, um, 
or will be licensed to the DAO on an exclusive basis, you know, depending on, um, on, on sort of what the best outcome uh, tax-wise is, I think is going to largely drive that decision-making process. Um, so, so the, uh, uh, the, the uh, and, and the tax, the taxes there are actually like quite complicated because, um, yeah, valuation on there is, is a shit show. No, I, I yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, even if you could settle on a valuation, which is pretty complicated, you run into because the Dow foundation is incorporated in Cayman, which is like, I, I, that's still the correct decision to have made and, and the right practice. Once, you're dealing with an entity which is in the OECD as opposed to under the U.S., then you start having to worry about, well, okay, am I going to trip up OECD economic substance rules with respect to IP? And, you know, generally the answer to that is going to be no, um, because the, the, uh, as long as you are not, basically as long as, your 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 posture with respect to IP is defensive, meaning that you own the IP and you'll use the IP to um, uh, uh, you use your IP rights to prevent you know a competitor from like copying you or you know that type of thing. Um, you don't need to worry about economic substance. It's only if you're planning on charging for the IP that you have to worry about um, the ES rules. So it's it th there's just a lot of kind of moving parts in. Um, in, in that analysis, but I will tell you that stepping back from the details and looking at a big picture, the goal is the DAO is is compensating Umami Labs to develop um, the IP, right? And therefore, the goal is that to the greatest extent possible, without you know screwing up taxes for everybody the benefits of the ownership of the IP will accrue back to the DAO, right? Because, you know, kind of like, it's almost as simple as like, almost like a work for hire theory, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, Sorry, sure. Uh, so uh, I get it. And we're, we're I think that the answer is to, to your point, I think we're going to know more when we know more. Um, I, I am really just hyper-focused on making sure um it, that you know umami holders are as protected as they can be which is the real you know and that's a multifaceted question all right that's that's thematic across blockchain meat space all that stuff and it, it sounds like you know you're the one who's credentialed in this area not me and it, it sounds like you're at least taking uh, a thoughtful approach here which i appreciate so you know i'm uh, perfect thank you sure sure the, the one thing i would add is that there is um a uh, actually like a, 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 an agreement between the Dow entity and um, Umami Labs that that sort of delineates um, you know what the roles of the two organizations are, and we I think we've made that I'm pretty sure we've made that public as part of our docs, and so um, you know it's of, of course I think that it might not be sufficiently detailed to like answer these specific questions, but it, it, from a, from a like high level I think it kind of demonstrates what the relationship between those two counterparties are. And that, by the way, will not change in this restructure. We're not going to redo that agreement because of the restructure. Oh, and, and I guess one last, so is it correct in understanding that all of the, you know, all of the entities we've described from the Cayman to the three onshore, are, are these affiliated entities or is the ownership structures, like, is this a, a hold co with a bunch of subs or is this just like, hey, the, there's the same names on the cap tables? So, so yeah, that's that's a really good question. So, so part of the reason why you you have this foundation 
a system, you know, the, the reason why you've seen these, these foundation type entities proliferate in DeFi is because they are really unique um, in, in terms of like, basically it's just came in in Switzerland. I think there's a few other countries that like offer similar entities. Um, but what, what is so unique about these foundation entities is they're almost, they almost operate like a nonprofit corporation does in the U S except they don't have a charitable um, goal. So the interesting thing about the Dow foundation is that it does not have ultimate beneficial owners. It has no shareholders. It has in effect, no cap table. So to the extent that there is profit that accrues to that Dow entity, there's, it can't go further up. It has to be retained inside, inside the Dow um, for uh, uh, the benefit of the Dow, which I think is, is a big way to um, uh, uh, protect, uh, well, how do I want to say this? It's, 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 it, 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 it's a good way of demonstrating our commitment that, that there's not going to be individuals who benefit from any of the, any, any of the Dow activities and, and, and except for the, um, uh, so, now, now I'm confused. So if, if assets can't flow up, how do you transfer the IP out of the foundation? You don't, you don't. That, 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 so, so, so the, the, um, the, the, the and, and that's why, again, that's, a, that's part of the analysis that's going to go into does the, does the, the foundation own the, um, own, own the IP outright or does it own a license, um, from, from, from labs? Um, okay. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a, uh, so, so yeah, the, the, but the, I think the other side of your question is for the onshore entities, that is the point of umami holdings right is there will be one cap table for umami holdings that is just going to be imputed to every subsidiary um because every subsidiary will, will be 100 percent owned by uh by umami holdings it, and one last are we going to be surprised by any big vcs na vc names on there or is this uh or individuals what, what kind of um you know my question is you know there are different attitudes toward vcs i tend to share yours um about uh, you know <laughs> the alignment of interests are, are we going to be surprised by any big names here no 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 and, and and part of and along those lines part of part of the part of what the dividend committee is is going to have control over is is a transfer of beneficial ownership fantastic mm -hmm. yep yeah and and uh I'll, I'll just share a few general thoughts i think alex did a really good job of, of you know explaining you know the the nuances which you know definitely goes beyond my pay grade but i i've certainly been very invested in you know just the overall architecture here you know from from a strategy perspective and just from uh you know as as alex made clear right you know making sure that our corporate governance structures are aligned with you know the the interests of the dow community so um, just just a few things that I want to highlight that I think are relevant. First, you know, when you talk about cap tables, I, I, I feel that what I'm hearing in the background of your question, it, it I'm getting a sense that we might have not communicated to you fully how um, perfunctory the cap tables are from an economic perspective and 
from a governance perspective outside of the the governance of the lab's entity itself, right? So I just want to talk about that briefly. Um, so the, the short answer is that the cap table is literally just, you know, a, a few people on the executive team. Um, we, we needed we needed four people. So it's it's four individuals from the team who are on that. Um, and there's no VCs there. As Alex said, there would be no incentive if we were to do any kind of um, deal at all with a VC. It would be an OTC deal with the DAO for tokens and their governance would be limited to snapshot votes um, of the sort that any community member can participate in. There, because of the dividend committee um, structure that Alex is creating, because we have a policy that's you know, been very clear that we won't issue any dividends, and because, and this is important, even, you know, so if you think about sort of the value of being on a, a cap table, right, it's, you know, theoretically economic value from dividends and some sort of vague, you know, governance value, right? But it's really important, this goes back to what Alex was talking about, that the governance of Umami DAO at the, like, not just conceptually, but at the level of the DAO Foundation Articles of Incorporation in the Caymans rests with the token holders. And the DAO is just in a services contract, which is public, with Umami Labs, right? And so what Alex is talking about, so we actually... You know, currently we've had two entities to think about. We're going to have four shortly, but it doesn't change anything. Um, so right now, you know, we have the the Dow Foundation, which is you know at the level of its articles of incorporation. The governance mechanism is not a cap table. There is no cap table. It is just uh, on chain snapshot votes that you know are are ultimately kind of responsible for the direction of the Dow. Um, and so that's just kind of a legal, and it's really just an entity to represent the DAO and the DAO community interests off-chain and to allow it to enter into contracts. Um, it has that services contract presently with Umami Labs. That will remain the case. Um, what Alex G has been talking about is creating a Umami Holdings holdings company, right? M moving that cap table of just, you know, four team members who agreed to have their names on the cap table up to the holdings entity and then holdings would be the sole member of umami labs llc and then also umami advisors right and that's just for keeping things streamlined to your point we don't it would start to get messy and rickety if it was like different people and just random agglomerations across three entities that were not formally affiliated so it's just it's also easier just to explain when we have just one holdings company um with you know very simple cap table in that company that holds um you know, that is the sole member for labs and LLC labs will just remain in the exact same services contract. Um, we are going to build in language to the operating agreement um, for either labs or holdings. I leave that nuance up to Alex, but we, we don't want, um, we would, so we, we're already going to have this dividend committee that it blocks any dividends being paid to any of the labs members. Cause again, there's, we're, we don't want that to have any economic value. Um, we also are going to make sure that no dividends could be passed further upstream to holdings and then paid out to anyone that way. We actually do want to make that, you know, functionally impossible, as Alex said, you know, effectively trustless, at least in as much as insofar as it's possible um, from a contractual perspective. And, you know, the, the real upshot of all this, and I think what I want to really emphasize is that when you, if you, 
if you create a blocker like we are for dividend payments, and you know, we will make this language public as soon as these documents are finished. But you know, if you create such a blocker, and if it is the in fact the case, which it is, that um, you know the the non-economic value of holding a member share in what will soon be Umami Holdings is literally just some kind of input into governance of the labs entity. So in other words, the internal affairs of the team, right? Because actual ownership of the DAO is, you know, housed with the community per the Articles of Incorporation of Umami DAO Foundation, right? And if labs is just in that services agreement, what you've done is you've stripped all forms of value right economic and governance from the corporate entities which was our goal right and that's not because we're like endlessly magnanimous it's because we are also token holders right and that is how we are incentivized and if i were ever talking to someone casually about quote unquote you know any kind of ownership in this dow entity i'm thinking about my tokens and they you know the, the economically identical to the tokens anyone else owns which you know creates alignment and, you know, even from sort of a self, you know, enlightened self-interest perspective, it's in, you know, my interest to have, you know, a highly high alignment between the team and the community and a high level of transparency, um, because that accre accretes value to the token and that benefits you and us as token holders. So that's, I, I don't, I know that that was convoluted, but I just really want to convey that like, yeah, we will, we will uh, make these documents public. So there'll be cap tables, but you know, the, I guess the other thing I'll just share very transparently, like given my role in this company, I would never want a dynamic where members of the team who are not on, you know, the, the cap table would feel like they're missing anything. Like that creates an arbitrary divide between the team. So we've been really focused on just making, you know, all value accrued to the token um, and, you know, functionally no value except you know, as pertains to the internal organizational affairs of the team, right? Um, that, that's the only source of value is just team governance, which is the whole point of having um, Labs LLC in the first place as a way to kind of use that operating agreement to structure the internal affairs of the team so that we can work like a real startup instead of a disorganized DAO. So I, I know that was convoluted, but was that clarifying at all in terms of the broader? No, it, it's it's clear that there's been a... a well thought out in, in purpose driven, um, path the, or the, the vision of structuring it such that, you know, the, the only measuring stick here is the token. Um, and you know, it, it, that is the real alignment of profit and people, uh, which is great. I mean, cause you know, it, it allows everyone in the audience to participate side by side, which is fantastic. Um, you know, it's, it's very DeFi ethos and, and love it. Uh, I am, I guess from the outside looking in, all of this was just diligence making sure that, you know, A, is this structure even possible, which, you know, mm -hmm. heretofore I didn't even know. And secondarily, you know, what questions can I ask to make sure you're being a good guy, not a bad guy? Yeah. It, it, it sounds like that's all, you know, checking out fantastically. Good, you know, good for us. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I, I guess I just want to make sure that sort of we were painting a clear picture of the overall philosophy. And again, I, I fully agree these operating agreements uh, will be public once they're finished. We are, I, I actually have, you know, sitting in my to-do list is to review the, the holdings document because we haven't created that yet. And we have to create that to create this RIA entity. 
So once those are complete, we'll have, you know, finalized documents. Until then, it has just been the labs document, right? So that's, once we have the final versions, we're happy to make that public. And, uh, you know, I think that will answer further questions. But do check out the, uh, I, I do encourage you to check out the materials that are already public in our docs if you haven't already. Um, yep. there's Look, I, I think there's a great blog post somewhere in here um, by Legal Alex with, you know, with the title of, you know, uh, you know, us side by side with you and, and just going through this and, and giving institutions like the, okay, I see exactly what's going on here and why they did it this way. Yep. Um, but no, these are great questions. And I love that someone's actually looking at these things closely because internally we pour, a, we spend a lot of time delivering. Yeah. In... <laughs> I, I do love the idea of, uh, of, of actually like laying all this out in a, in a, in a blog post. That's actually a good idea. So we will, uh, you know, I think that like, especially once we finalize the dividend committee, I really do think that that's something that um, we're doing that's pretty innovative. So I'd like to, I'd like to highlight it for, for other orgs as well. Yeah. Um, Kingfisher, any other questions? We're a little over time, um, but. No, and as always, I apologize to my peers for uh, being a time hog. Um, you know, sorry. No, no, no. Don't don't be uh, don't be sorry because I think that these are really educational for everyone. Um, so we're always happy to have you ask these questions because this gets recorded and it becomes a resource for the community. Um, so I, I value I value the good questions. Let me. I see there's a question from OX Arrow. Um, let me knock that out quickly, and then I have a three fifteen call with the Kingmaker podcast. So I think we'll wrap it up after that. Um, but OX Arrow is asking, will there be Univ three LP set up? for the um, vault tokens when the vaults go live, similar to CMUMAMI UMAMI. Couldn't that lessen potential impact for mass withdrawals during the monthly unlock window? Um, I don't know about the last part, but I think our expectation has always been, you know, that there will be LPs for the vault tokens. And, you know, I think ultimately because we expect these to be custodied by, uh, you know, various digital asset custodians, including centralized exchanges, I would expect there to also be liquidity for those tokens, um, you know, on centralized exchanges too. But the tradability and fungibility is uh, key. And yeah, I see, okay, when is understanding that question better? He's answering it in discord but yeah there's not going to be a monthly that's why i was confused there will not be a monthly unlock for the tokens uh for the vault tokens because the vaults are far more liquid than that people will be able to withdraw in you know 24 hours would be the max that we would have for sort of a withdrawal queuing period um probably less once we yeah less than that for these vaults yeah there'll be funds immediately available for withdrawal up to a buffer um, and with that, uh, once the final rebalancing period is selected, but yeah, much much under 24 hours um, to re replenish those buffers. But yeah, certainly the the fungibility is a big part of why we use tokenized uh, tokenized vault structure. And um, yeah, I do I do think that uh, the LPs will be set up either by us or or through the community. It's you know permissionless. Um, so that's, uh, really cool to see, uh, you know, when you build building blocks, things can be built on top and not just LPs, but, um, there's potential for, our, for integration to a lot of different DeFi projects that we've talked to still just in the idea and, and concept phase, but, um, uh, some really cool things could be built on top. Yeah. Um, so I think that covers it, but no, uh, King, 
Kingfish, I, I just want to make clear, we really value those questions. Um, so, you know, no, no problems with folks kind of poking around the, the legal structure, the ownership structure, you know, the way that, you know, we're comped with our, you know, token smart contracts. We invite all of that because that's how trust is built. It's by folks asking questions and us, you know, transparently pointing them towards, you know, the answers, including with the operating agreement and other contractual documents. So um, thank you for the good questions. And thanks everyone, uh, Prepop, Grumpy, um, Alex, for sharing these great updates this week. And we'll talk on Thursday. Thank you.